Hello and welcome to the campaign podcast powered by something else. I'm Claire Beale. I'm Global Editor-in-Chief of Campaign and today we're going to be talking about Christmas advertising. With me I have two guests, Chaka Shabani, the CCO of Leo Burnett and David Korwutz, the CCO of Droga 5. Hi there. You were supposed to say hi, Chaka. Man, hello there. I want to kick off by talking a little bit about why we get so excited about Christmas ads. I mean, I personally get really tingly. I love the word tinsel. It's one of my favourite words. So a Christmas ad with tinsel in it, I particularly love. What about Um, actual tinsel? I love actual tinsel. I was devastated to learn that glitter is environmentally unfriendly. That's one of the worst things that's happened. We're talking about the Mariah Carey film. (laughs) (laughs) It's the landfill with all the disused VHS copies of glitter. I love Mariah. The film was a misstep. This this is going to be a a Christmas marathon. (laughs) Can we just apologise in advance? Just full blanket apology. I've bought mince pies, but I haven't bought sherry, which is probably, the way this is going already, that's probably a good move to stay off the sherry, at least for the duration of this podcast. David, you've lived in the States. I have. We've appropriated this whole idea of the sort of Super Bowl commercial moment with our Christmas campaigns, haven't we? It's It's a season-long Super Bowl, though. Yes, it's more than one day. The English have taken one day and exploded it out into two months of perversity. I think it's a good thing. I think it's great that everyone's talking about what we do. So the only time of the year my kids show any interest in what I do. (laughs) Is that a burden or an exciting challenge? I think with each year since, we can always sort of date it back to the first John Lewis ad that kind of exploded in the way that it did and was just getting millions of hits on YouTube. And there is a real sense of anticipation now. It's not that people become interested in advertising. I think it's just everyone raises the bar a little bit more. Well, tries to. Um, <laughs> I'm holding my tongue. Tries, I know, later. I can literally just see your face. It just explode. I think it gives us a great arena to kind of just up the bar and have conversations about making sure we make the best stuff. Do you know what I mean? But that should hopefully be a year-long conversation and not just one that's for that, two months. Yeah. Is that what you were about to say? No, no. I, was, I, I have a very different take on Christmas commercials, but We'll get, I'm sure we'll get to that eventually. What's that? No, tell us now. Are you so going to kick it off with Bar Humbug? I'm not Bar Humbug at all. If I could have my way, there would be a finite period of time that Christmas ads were relegated to. But uh, imagine how much is spent making them. I mean, it's understandable mm. that brands want to get their Absolutely. money's no, worth by running them for as long I, as they can. People spend tons of money on Super Bowl, but those are out in a day, and those have a long shelf life. I think the thing that I find objectionable to a degree is the fact that the Christmas season in Britain has eaten up two solid months. But it is a reflection of society. I mean, you know, you walk down the high street and the lights are out from October. I find that there is something more nefarious at the heart of Christmas advertising as it is now. It's Mm. become a bit of a derby rather than anything that's rooted in truth, which I think the best advertising is. It is done with the intention of winning Christmas rather than making something that is true to a brand Mm. and communicating a message that just has something deeper there. As you consume these ads in real life, as real people, not just eminent creative icons in our industry, Shaka, tell me a little bit about Christmas in your house. Well, Christmas this year, actually, is going to be a bit odd because I think one of the biggest characters for our family has always been my gran, who passed away at the beginning of the year. My family are a beautiful hodgepodge of lots of different nationalities and cultures. It's Iranian meets English meets French, but there's always a common language, and the only person who's only got one language was my gran, God bless her. So when everyone was speaking English or French, 
much, she would just shout really loudly <laughs> in Farsi and start talking Farsi. So nobody else could have a conversation. And for my in-laws, who are the sweetest British people, they just didn't know what the hell was going on. My kids would get really confused because they don't speak Farsi. My uh, family then would feel really bad because then they'd realise it would ignore Gran. Like a Fox News segment. It like was just people. Like, oh no, they would. They would never play my family on Fox News. It was just a beautiful play of comedy, normal stuff. Certain members get a little bit drunk. The kids just want to get away from all of us and go play with their toys and lots of food, uh, some French food. <laughs> I'm liking the sound of the Shabani. It, it makes it sound. Christmas. It makes it sound. What's it called? Organising it. It's not. It's utter chaos, which I love. They tell, what's it like in your house? Um, pretty. It's it's very Christmassy. Uh, my mom's English. Even though I grew up in Canada, every Christmas was very English and kind of adhered to all of the traditions. Um, Let's start off by talking about the biggie, which is John Lewis. Chucky, you said it. Mm. It sort of pretty much started this whole trend. And over the years, we're all on the edge of our seats. In fact, last Christmas, just before Christmas, our great Auntie Joan died. And I called my kids down to break this sad news to them. I was like, come downstairs, I've got something to tell you, something important to tell you. They both came running into the kitchen. What have you got the John Lewis Christmas ad to show us? Wow. Um, so, you know, it has, even in my household, or maybe especially in my household, achieved that level of importance. Moz the Monster they've come up with this year. It's got a soundtrack by Elbow's Guy Garvey. He's doing a cover version of The Beatles' Golden Slumbers. And it tells a story of a boy called Joe who's kept awake by a seven-foot imaginary monster named Moz. And uh, they become friends and Joe plays with the monster every night and then he, the lack of sleep starts to show. And uh, finally, Moz gives him a, a gift of a nightlight, which he leaves under the Christmas tree so that Joe can get a good night's sleep. And uh, it's all very warm and happy. It was created by Adam and Eve DDB and it was directed by um, a French director called Michel Gondry through Partisan. Now, um, for anybody that doesn't know Gondry, he's best known for films such as Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and The Science of Sleep. And he also directed one of the most awarded ads of all time, Levi's Drugstore, back in 1994. And I am also going to credit the media agency here, Manning Gottlieb OMD, handling the media. Let's have a little listen to the ad. Once there was a way to get back home Once there was a way to get back home Sleep pretty darling, do not cry And I will sing I will sing 
that music has been such a important part of the John Lewis Christmas approach. What, what do you think of that soundtrack? I love it. But I mean, I'm predisposed. I love the Beatles and I love Elbow. Mm. And Golden Slumbers is a hugely underrepresented. Uh, I'm, I'm a McCartney guy. People are running our <laughs> McCartney people. So I mean, you know, it's, it's, I get, get a lot of shit for, I mean, I get a lot of poop. <laughs> For being a McCartney person, because it's more fashionable to be a Lennon person. I'm a Ringo. I know you are. I love you for that. Oh, my God. Of course you are. Uh, interesting fact. Apparently, all kids are Ringo. All, really? Yeah. All, which it shows that you have a youthful exuberance. Because Ringo was the funny one. And Ringo was charming and funny oh. and, and uh, an accessible entry point to the Beatles. And uh, Lennon and McCartney could sometimes be. And, and George even could be a little bit severe. And little... slightly less intelligent. Yeah, slightly. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, <mate. laughs> You love the music? It's much more powerful when you hear it without the visuals. It's beautiful. And I mm. didn't actually know it was Elbow. I mm. absolutely loved it. It's beautiful. Absolutely. And they've carried it on. Clever buggers. It's probably my favourite track that John Lewis has put on any of the adverts and probably easily my favourite uh, as it works with picture since uh, The Long Wait. Where does it sit in the canon of John Lewis advertising, though? I think this is where it gets really tricky because I think we judge the John Lewis campaigns in a completely different way to even M&S and Boots and all the other brands that we know are going to come out with big Christmas ads. It's a franchise. It's a franchise, but it's also it's the follow-up album to the follow-up album to the follow-up album. So there's two ways looking at it. You know, one which is in the pantheon of kind of great advertising, where does it sit? I mean, the pantheon of great John Lewis advertising. And then there's also, like, well, if this was coming out as a standalone and we never had had the John Lewis moment, would we still have a John Lewis moment? And I personally think, absolutely. I think this would be the best and worst brief in the agency because you don't want to be the person who fucks it up. And they just don't. And I, it's not sounding gushy. I, one of the things that I realised with Bear and Hair and loving it and knowing all the craft that went into it, I remember being in the cinema with my eldest daughter, who at the time was about three, three, four, you know, three, four-year-old does not stop talking. And, well, certainly not my child. Mm -hmm. And the minute this came on, she was absolutely transfixed. This is barren hair. And I watched this with my girls now who are now eight and six. And it's the same deal. And I'm not saying that this is just for for kids or anything like that, but I think, you know, just remembering how broad this is and, you know, the appeal that it has, whether it's your gran or, you know, whether it's down to kids, it's amazing what they do. It's a charming, beautiful story. Personally, I was so excited that Gondry was doing it and I wanted to see, you know what I mean? So there's so many unfair things that you're kind of going like, it's Gondry back in the game, like, what's he going to do? Da, 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 da. If someone would say, would you put your name against it? I was like, hell yeah, my God, I'd love to make something like that. It's beautiful. still about imagination. It still captures that spirit. I, I love it. David, are you a fan? I guess the way that I would look at it is of the canon of advertising, are there ones that live outside the bubble of Christmas advertising for me? Mm. Probably uh, The Long Wait and uh, Monty are kind of the two that for me mm. are just like kind of live mm. outside Christmas advertising. They take a step back and they they work regardless of the season. Moz, I think, is brilliant for, for what it is, which is a great piece of Christmas advertising. The, the team behind it, everyone involved are incredible practitioners of populism and they've made a charming lovely story and the thing that impresses me uh is the the, the brand extensions and where mm. they've taken mm. it in fact i've visited the um the Moz's room in john lewis which is pretty spectacular and they've got all the merchandising and i mean that bit to me is is the most impressive they've done a lot of extras they've partnered with uh, google home 
So you can get the story of Moz the Monster downloaded. Uh, you can personalise it with your own sound, sound effects. And they've got uh, the actress Sally Phillips reading the story. Uh, and they've turned that into a children's book. So you can download that from the John Lewis website and on Skyboxes. They've used some AR technology to uh, allow people to mozzify their own face. Um, <laughs> and in shops, you can create your own selfie at the Monster Maker station and then post that on social media. There's lots of other bits and pieces to this. And then you can buy the Moz toy, the mugs, the slippers, the pyjamas. This feels like the first time that they've absolutely nailed that bit of it, where mm. they've been like, OK, we're Pixar now. Let's just take advantage of it. Let's create this character and let's... Go hell for leather. Within 24 hours of launching, this ad had over 10 million views on Facebook and YouTube. And uh, within three days, it had over 20 million. Good on them. The public is giving it a massive thumbs up. There are cynics who like to be fairly critical about um, the big blockbuster John Lewis stuff. And David, you said it was, it's almost like it's a, a franchise. But is there a danger it's becoming formulaic or, or actually... No, no. It's, I, I think the thing that's depressing, this is fun, I'm vacillating between love for this thing and uh, disdain for Christmas advertising in general. You can't go wrong as long as it's winning and as long as it's hitting and the, the right people are. It's like it's made for the public and it's made for children and children are enjoying it. And uh, if the formula works, then you keep going. And it's fantastic. It's, it's just exhausting to look at people. T- first of all, willing it to fail in yeah. advance of it yeah. coming out. I just find that exhausting. And then when it comes out and people are just like grown adults are trying to poke holes. At, they're like, but it doesn't work because the logic behind it, because it's under the bed and the monster's trying to scare him. But now these friends and he's trying to, it's like, calm down. Everything's yeah. going to be, everything's going to be okay. <laughs> Is there something wrong with your life that you need you need to poke holes in the Let's move on from John Lewis and let's talk about MS. Now MS in recent years has has gone for the sort of another big sort of extravaganza franchise. It is different every time and this year it's particularly different because they have a new agency. So the MS ad this year has been created by Grey and it's the I think it's maybe the first major Christmas campaign Grey has done in recent years for any of its brands. It's a big deal for the agency. They wrote the story with Simon Farnaby, um, who's a co-writer on Paddington 2. Uh, apparently he also plays a security guard in the film. Anyway, it took about four months to make the ad and they've got heavyweight director Daniel Kleiman, uh, best known probably for creating the title sequences for the James Bond films, but he's directed the Paddington M&S ad through Rattling Stick. The creative team at Grey were, were Robert Graves and Sam Daly. Mindshare did the media with them. And they worked with DCM to make sure that the sort of 90-second version of the ad is shown at the Paddington 2 screenings. And I went to see Paddington 2 on Saturday, which I loved. And uh, seeing the ad in the context with the film did give it um, an amazing extra dimension. The ad actually uses many of the same sets found uh, in the Paddington film, not surprisingly, and it's voiced by the same actor, Ben Whishaw. And Framestore, which created the animations for this, the film, also worked on the ad. So let's have a little listen to some of the M&S Paddington campaign. A jar of marmalade. Thank you, Santa. Oh, oh. <laughs> Santa? The coming. Oh, no, no. Santa! Oh, I'm ever so sorry. I'm not Santa. Oh, this is for Alice. I know her. Let me help you. Follow me! Hey, they're mine. She'll love it. Oh, and here's one from Gran. And one from Grandad. We've got loads more to deliver. 
This goes in here. Put that under there. Let's take your sleigh. Sleigh? Giddy up. forgot. Merry Christmas, Mr. Claus. Such a little bear. Breaking news just in. Santa was caught on video in London late last night, not with an elf, but with a bear. Oh, we're going to need more marmalade. This Christmas, let's spend it well. Oh, David, are you a Paddington fan and, and does that ad do it for you? I'd never heard, I'm not Santa before, which is integral, so so integral to the plot of the film. No, of course, this is, again, another another lovely bit of populism. I've heard people criticising it for basically just taking a pre-existing character and idea and they haven't created something from scratch. They've taken an existing cultural icon and just put M&S around it. Do you agree? And does that matter anyway? We are a bloody cynical and grumpy industry. These ads aren't made for grumbling ad folk. They're not. And you know what? Fuck it if it's a character that's been used a thousand times. How you do that, you can't rely on that to kind of go, okay, well, it's going to be good as a result of it. And even with the link to obviously the movie release, that doesn't mean anything unless you do it really, really brilliantly. And it's a beautiful little story and it's funny. Very well crafted. And the guy who, I love that guy, the actor who plays um, the burglar. No, the burglar chap. Oh. It could have been really cheesy. It could have been really shit. The balance could have been too much about, you know, one or the other. It's just a different lens, an entertainment lens. And what on what's earth the is job? What's, exactly. yeah, what's wrong with that? Getting, I don't know why my voice keeps going up. I'm just going to calm the hell down. Because you're really, really angry. Well, it's not even angry. I just think, you know what? Everyone relax. It's like, you know, is it good? Does it make you feel happy? Is it well made? Does it tell a story well? You know, is the spend it well at the heart of it? No, potentially not in a purist M&S way. But great associations and great partnerships are also part of it all. So... Why the bloody hell not? If you're going to equate, I'm going to calm down now. If you're going to equate Christmas with the Super Bowl mm. and talk about Christmas as uh, the the British version of the Super Bowl, then you kind of have to abide by the same rules. Yeah. Which is all brand values, tenets kind of go out the window and you're just making the biggest, most lavish extravaganza you can and putting it out there because, you know, people just want to be entertained. It's had... Uh... 7.8 million views within 24 hours of the ad breaking and then 12 million after three days. So I think M&S will be happy with that. Mm. It's, um, another, it's another bit of Paddington content, isn't it? So yeah. Of course it's going to rack up those numbers. Let's move on to something really quite different. Waitrose is another commercial by Adam and Eve DDB who have become sort of a bit like the agency of Christmas. Um, they do so many of these things. I think they... Uh, the back end of their year is entirely taken up with Christmas, from what I can tell. It tells the story of villagers who gather for a drink on Christmas morning at a remote pub uh, at the Tan Hill Inn near Richmond, and it's the highest pub in Britain, and it dates back to the 17th century. 
And it's actually snowed you can 50 tell. times since 2005. In Richmond. Ill. Richmond. Not as... Richmond, London, darling. I'm just going to say, what the fuck is the mountain in Richmond? <laughs> <laughs> See what? <laughs> so that's Richmond up north. Right, OK. <laughs> there are doing... places outside of London. <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> but it's all about the, the sort of community spirit. Villagers snowed in at a pub. And interestingly, it's all shot completely in black and white, which was... First time I saw it, I found quite shocking and it really sort of stopped me in my tracks. But actually, it's very beautiful. So let's hear a little bit of the soundtrack. I'm so glad that track has been used somewhere. Here I... come the bells, so many bells. La, 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 la. Right, any excuse for you to fucking sing? All of my, like, I just realised how many associations I have with Saturday Night Live. Jan Hooks and uh, Nora Dunn did those, this singing the uh, showgirls, and the, the and the, there was they put lyrics to that. Here come the bells, so many bells, oh, all the bells. Um, it's the first time I've ever heard the lyrics. And all I've ever sung it. That's exactly that high pitching. And then uh, Paddington Bear, Dana Carvey once did a sketch where it was like this uh, Cuban drug lord who was stashing uh, cocaine in, inside of a uh, Paddington Bear, <laughs> is how he pronounced it. So I'm just realizing there's a theme. It's like a 1980s SNL theme. Tall commercials. You can cut all of this out. It's no, useless. I love this. I love this. Um, Let's keep this. There is something incredibly simple about it, which I kind of dig. Until you said that it's all shot in black and white, I didn't even notice. It's not bad. I can't overthink it. I just kind of dug it. It made me feel very Christmassy. I mean, that's a really bland response. I don't mean it like that at all. Oh, I just sort of dug it. Yeah. Applying the evaluative metric. Oh, hold to on. This. Are you, you're getting more and more Christmassy, and I'm starting to sound more fucking bar humbug. What oh, the hell? So Christmassy. You're so Christmassy. I'm basically Father Christmas now. Oh, applying the evaluative metrics to Christmas advertising, uh, of Christmas advertising to this particular. Did it make me feel Christmassy? Yeah, of course. It's quite safe, but that doesn't necessarily mean bad. It's a really sweet, simple story, and it sometimes. Evo- it evoked a feeling. And it evokes a feeling. And when done really, really well, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think, funnily enough, to the question that you first asked at the beginning, and about sort of how do you feel about Christmas advertising? And how, I think that's the thing that everyone, we all beat ourselves over the head over, which is like, does it feel big enough? Does it feel different enough? Does it feel, which, it, but with an added kind of Christmas filter on. Mm. Does it make you feel Christmassy? Does it make you feel something? Does it make you feel hungry? It made me feel fucking hungry. Did, mm. it, did it make me want to be snowed in with a whole right. bunch of waitress food? Yes. Exactly So right. there you go. Exactly Which right. is an interesting achievement, given it is in black and white. So you don't get that, you know, so many of the Sensory, Christmas yeah. have that rich... 
orangey brown turkey and the greens. But, you know, it was devoid of all of that. Well, actually incredibly powerful. Yeah. It had 6.6 .6 million views online, which is not bad for, really good. for a Waitrose ad. Let's talk about Sainsbury's now, because as a contrast to Waitrose, Sainsbury's always used to do the big showstopper Christmas campaign. And it generally bore very little um, relation to what they'd done in advertising terms through the rest of the year. And that was one of the reasons they uh, they gave for deciding to change strategy. They fired Abbott Me Vickers and they gave their advertising account to Wyden and Kennedy. Last year they did The Greatest Gift, if you remember that, and then they had Mog's Christmas Calamity the year before. I think their most famous one was probably the Christmas is for sharing set in the First World War. So they had this history of these big campaigns. And this year, no, they've got quite a simple campaign. It's the first Christmas work by Wyden and Kennedy. Um, so they've gone for a, just a special version, really, of their regular Living Well campaign. And it centres around an original song that's been written by Ben Doc Brown-Smith and composed by Mike Michaelides. Features some members of the public, some Sainsbury's staff, and there's a couple of cameos in this one. One from Ricky Tomlinson, uh, otherwise known as Jim Royal, and Kermit the Frog. Um, and it was created by Michael Toledo and Juan Sevilla, and directed by Iconoclasts. We are from LA, and that's they're actually the French directing duo, best known for Farrell Williams's happy music video. Um, so they came up with uh, the Sainsbury's ad this year. Let's have a little listen. <laughs> Decorations in our cheap box. Another pair of novelty socks. Last minute pie, I'm taking that. Ooh. Big head written through papers. Some habits, chocolate for breakfast. Work out what Santa's addresses. Snooze on the sofa. Classic Donatelli. Cheese, cheese, more cheese. That's smelly! Buying dad skins, chicken mate. Every bit of this. Lost the end of the sticky tape. Every bit of this. Nibbles weighing down my paper plates. Every bit of this. Both the So Jack is finally tucking into the mince pies. Is that a good sign? Is that? A, it's really good, but this... it's just the perfect time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start with David. While you... God bless you. <laughs> while you munch on that. What were the numbers like for that? Not as good. 3.3 million views after three days of launch. But as a comparison, Tesco's had a, it says here, a paltry 86,000 after three days uh, of their ad launching. So... At least in terms of online views, uh, Sainsbury's has, has beaten Tesco's. But they've been doing a storming trade off the back of this new campaign, haven't they? Maybe not in uh, ad circles, but it's been deemed to be a hard-working campaign. Was it the right strategy to go for something that was much more consistent across the year rather than take a break and do the big Christmas extravaganza? I mean, I completely understand if it's working for them from a business standpoint, then yeah. Do you love it? Do you like it? Does it make you feel tingly Christmassy? It's very English, aggressively English. And of course, I was kind of like in a mock English household in Canada. So it's not something that I, I connect with on an emotional level, but that doesn't invalidate it as a piece of communication. If uh, I mean, three million views has got to mean something, right? Shaka, what do you reckon? We've talks about it not being seen within the kind of the pantheon of Christmas ads because I don't think that that's how the public will see it. I think they'll see this definitely as the Christmas iteration of everything they've seen around living well. No one outside of the ad industry is going to look at that and go, they didn't do a Christmas they ad. They didn't do a Christmas ad or they didn't spend enough money or they didn't put enough energy into it or whatever. And 
It's interesting with something like this because this has been the most polarized. Whenever I've spoken, when I've spoken to people about this, they either I wouldn't say love, but they really like it, or they really don't like it. And I've only seen this once. I think this is one of those ones you have to be in the right Christmassy frame of mind. And it's interesting hearing it because when you hear it, you go, oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. When you see it, it's those characters and obviously and the little surprises of seeing, you know, Ricky Tomlinson and all the rest of it. Does it capture the Christmas spirit? Does it continue living well? Absolutely. So we've we've talked about some Christmas ads. and Maybe we haven't talked about one that that you've seen and loved. Of all the ones out there this year, which would be your favourite, David? The Moz merchandise, I would say. Not necessarily the ad itself, mm. although I respect that as a piece of craft and I think it's great and great for the audience. I love the merchandise. But if we're talking about an all-singing, all-dancing extravaganza, I think the last one I probably connected with was the H&M one last year. Yeah. But they're few and far between. I need a degree of honesty and truth and storytelling that doesn't feel as opportunistic as most Christmas advertising. And then I don't say I don't use opportunistic as a bad thing. Of course, mm. that's that's what you set out to do. You set out to make an extravaganza, uh, an explosion of Christmas spirit that will capture the hearts and minds of the British public. So you have to do that if you want. Uh, it's like the price of entry for Christmas advertising. But the ads that I love, the Morrison's one from a few years back, The Truths About Christmas, it was done by um, Helen and uh, and Matt. Lever, who's now at VCCP, I thought that thing was beautiful. But it's the ones that, that are just a little more uh, just rooted in something real. Mm. Uh, there's there's more insight rather than just confetti cannon. I do love Moz and I do love M&S. Personally, I see Christmas quite differently now that I've got kids, young kids. Actually, that really trite cliche of they kind of make you fall back in love with it was absolutely spot on because I, I sort of didn't give a shit about it for about 10 years, I don't think. Like, I get excited now because I see them get excited. Mm. I quite like the House of Fraser campaign this year, you know, from 18 Feet Rising. I thought that was sweet, the two sisters. It's interesting because it came out almost the same time as Boots, which also uses two sisters. Yeah. Where they go look back over their life together. Yeah. It was interesting. They both use a similar device. I mean, again, it's a cliche thing to say, but as times get slightly more volatile and disconnected, we go back to simpler things and simpler stories and connections and better times and all the rest of it. I don't think there's a better or a worse between the two. I just thought that one stood out. And like I said, I loved John Lewis and I loved Paddington. So uh, is it a vintage year? I don't know. I think we all just get a bit snow blind. See what I did? Um, my last question to you both. Favourite Christmas song? Come on. Ooh. I have the shittest favourite Christmas song ever, which is Mariah Carey. All oh, I, I want for Christmas. Oh, my God. Like, off the... Ch- it makes me feel happy. Yeah. I feel I'm like it's a classic song. Are you... Did you I, I literally don't even want to talk to you right now. Song, what? Why don't you? What are you doing? Are what? you going don't with you your like children? No. Just going alone with a bottle of Jack. (laughs) So it was that, but I watched the documentary on George Michael and I was in bits. I mean, absolutely in bits to the point that my wife came downstairs halfway through and was like, are you actually okay? Because all I can hear upstairs is you whimpering. So I'm going to have to go maybe this year with a bit of Last Christmas. Right. Right? You've got to swing it up from here, babe. Did you sing it when you were in school? No. Last Christmas, I blew a big fart, and the very (laughs) next day, you waved it away. No, you never did. I think this is a difference between a British education and a Canadian education. Thank you, David. That was was last Christmas to me. What's your favourite song? Uh, June Christie, The Merriest.
that. Uh, oh, come on. You know you love to sing. It's been... Make the day nothing can compare and to all the merriest. Oh. Hope you da, 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 da. Hope you get that raise. Hope you no. No, baby. It sounds lovely, but it's I don't a great know that song. One. It's it's. Oh, I'm a Midlands girl, so I go for Slade. Oh yeah, Slade's <laughs> wonderful. Every time. It's great. That's happy. No, it's great. Thank you so much. Thank you've, you. You've been listening to the campaign podcast, powered by something else. Thank you to my guests, Chaka and David. Thank you to our wonderful producer, Miranda Hinckley. And do join us again in 2018. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.